0: So here's a question, in a world that keeps moving faster and faster, how do women leaders like us, women who want to make an impact in the world through our career or business and not sacrifice our home life, how do we create balance and fulfillment in our lives both at work and at home without facing burnout or constantly feeling like we're chasing an impossible dream? That's the question and this show explores the answers. Welcome to the Selfless Syndrome Show. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, and I'm on a mission to help women leaders break through burnout so that they can build the life and body they are worthy of and step into the awesome power of who they really are. I'm the selfless syndrome mentor, a board-certified women's health and leadership coach, and alternative medicine practitioner. I'm a wife, mom, and stepmom to four boys and a furball, and I'm the founder of a rapidly growing women-centered coaching business. Stick around because on this show, you'll learn how to create the life, body, and career you've always dreamed of without having to sacrifice who you really are. Let's go. Hello,
1: welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson Ridley. I'm really excited to be joined today by Dr. Brooke Scheller, who is a doctor of clinical nutrition certified nutrition specialist and expert in nutrition for alcohol use by impacting gut and brain health. She combines her clinical background with a passion for health tech and innovation in the food supplement and personalized wellness industry. Dr. Brooke is a leader in the space of pioneering the understanding of how alcohol impacts the gut, our nutritional pathways, and the brain through nutrient deficiencies she is the founder of conditioned nutrition a nutritional consultancy that works with startup organizations and has worked with both individuals and organizations to build nutrition protocols that have helped millions of individuals eat better and integrate better nutrition into their lifestyles so Dr Brooke doctor what do you prefer Dr Brooke Dr Scheller I should have checked with you first
2: dr Brooke is great awesome thank you yeah Dr well, Scheller sounds very formal thank you I, Thanks for I'm, me. I'm
1: a yeah, I'm a first name doc too, because of that. <laughs> like
2: love yeah. it. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. I'm glad we finally got to link up. For those of you yeah. who are listening, we had a couple of back and forths and uh some COVID rounds and things like that. Thank so I'm all glad the, that all we been... finally made it work out. Yeah. And you know, I believe there's a perfect timing
1: for everything because this podcast will probably air around the holidays, which is the alcohol right. conversation is probably timely for all of that. Um, so I I'd love to know just in launching into this, you know, how you got started down this road, because it's a fairly unique niche that you're working in. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Totally. And thank you. Thanks again for having me on the podcast. And and it is really my pleasure to be here and, and to tell more about my story and how I got into this work. And thanks for sharing more about my bio. It's very interesting because as I continue to do this work, every time I hear my bio read back to me, I'm like, oh. We have updates there to make, That's and um, yeah, I think you probably and many other entrepreneurs can can understand that. But mm-hmm. I have been in the nutrition and wellness space for a little over twelve years now. I have a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate in nutrition. I'm a certified nutrition specialist, and the early part of my career, I spent in clinical practice doing what many of us with a functional training do, working in wellness center, um, working with patients, and really helping to identify what is the root cause of what they're experiencing. So I worked a lot with functional testing, blood work, stool testing, DNA, you name it, we tested it. And from there created custom protocols with food, supplements, uh, wellness, and other types of lifestyle modifications to help support them on the journey that they were on. So I worked in this regard for several years and um, in 2017, left my clinical practice and started working in the startup world and had moved into New York City and started to kind of explore a different avenue for my career and really starting to understand more about the innovation piece the uh, bringing forth newness into the world and how we can really start to understand from a from a business perspective or from you know an evolutional process i will say because it's less business and and more about the evolution of health and wellness for me that i really really started to feel like i wanted to um, you know share more of this information because having a doctorate degree in nutrition I'm still confused sometimes about what's going on in the body. And I'm sure you can agree, Dr. Alex, too, that we don't know everything. And for me to have this kind of extensive background in training, I don't expect that the average everyday consumer or client would have this information because sometimes I don't even know it, right? And what's very interesting about my story is that I've always been a heavy drinker. I started drinking as a teenager and carried that through with me into my college years, into my 20s, and into my early 30s. And when I left my clinical practice and began working in New York City, there's a lifestyle when you live in a big city that equals lots of drinks, lots of social events, happy hours after work, and a very alcohol-forward lifestyle. Now I was always again someone who kind of had that in my back pocket for a long time and was always in the pursuit of trying to prove that you could drink alcohol and be healthy. And, you know, really trying to understand more for myself, well, what does that mean for me? And even with all of the knowledge that I had about how alcohol affects the body, how it affects our gut, our brain, et cetera, I got to the point in my journey with alcohol where, even with all of that knowledge, I couldn't stop. You know, I had really kind of progressed in how frequently I was using alcohol. The pandemic, of course, came, and I like to liken it to a pot on the stove that for many of us who had maybe this simmering pot on the back of the stove drinking alcohol, as soon as COVID happened, we cranked up the heat and now the pot starts to boil over a little bit. So it is very common for people to have increased their alcohol use during the pandemic. There is some research that has come out to show, especially women had an increase in their alcohol intake during this time. And I was absolutely part of that statistic. I, you know, had started the pandemic, probably not drinking much more. And then over the course of time, working from home, kind of, again, having that lifestyle change that equaled more isolation, I had increased my drinking to probably six or seven days a week. And again, still kind of trying to balance this almost like, um, what is the word that I'm looking for? Almost this uh, like secret lifestyle, if you will, um, or this kind of like private part of my life that was me drinking. And then this other part of my life where I'm talking about health. And that obviously is a heavy burden for someone to carry. And through my own personal journey of getting sober and eliminating alcohol from my life, it became really apparent to me how nutrition plays such an important role in our alcohol use and our lifestyle, how it involves or includes alcohol, not only how we can use nutrition supplements, again, these lifestyle modifications to repair or recover our bodies from alcohol use, but also how some of these things that might be going on from a root cause perspective can actually be contributing to why we may drink, why it may be more difficult for us to stop, and how we kind of use nutrition and lifestyle in order to change our relationship with alcohol. And that doesn't mean that everyone has to become sober, but there are so many people that maybe are feeling like I'm drinking too much and want to cut back or explore this realm of sober curiosity. So it's been really fascinating to bring my background in nutrition and functional medicine and really create this space where we can talk about alcohol from this kind of newer platform and this kind of cutting edge technique.
1: I really like that. And I'm really excited for where this conversation is going to go. You know, I have a a different background where like drinking has never really been of interest to me. I, you know, I think I drank for like a semester in college and was like, yeah, I had more fun without it. So it's, it's never been a part of my life, but like similar to you, when we work in the world of health and nutrition, there's always something right. Like mine's always been chocolate, which you can argue is healthy, mm-hmm. but like there's our relationship to it. And I, I like that that's where you're going with us because it's, it's one thing I've shared this story before, you know, we used to, yeah in my chiropractic practice which was my clinical practice i you know we would put out the good dark chocolate like i would get the good stuff right and my staff when i started doing more nutritional stuff and functional medicine they were like yeah that needs to go <laughs> and i realized i was trained to every time i would walk back to see a patient i would go by the front desk to get a piece of chocolate and i kept going up there and having no reason and being like oh my gosh this is so just ingrained and so you know i share that in the whether you're dealing with you know Drinking more, which so many women have, and I've worked with you know plenty of women that have really realized that the hooks are in them pretty strong with alcohol dependency, addiction, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, it really yeah. comes down to our, our relationship to it and then why we're using it, right?
2: And here, yeah, that's what you're getting to. And it's so important to mention that as well because there is such a wide range of what alcohol use means to us, right? Mm -hmm. we might be drinking every day or most days of the week. We might be drinking a few times a month and getting really carried away and still recognizing that we don't necessarily want to feel that way. So even if there's not this chemical or physical dependence, that's so strong, it really is about starting to identify, well, why, why am I choosing this? What is this? uh, What is going on in my lifestyle or in my mental health that's maybe driving these changes to happen. It's such an interesting time in 2022 where there is this kind of boom in sober curiosity in non-alcoholic beverages and people really starting to stand up and say, "Listen, I've had this, you know, dependence or relationship with alcohol that I want to change." And in my experience, it doesn't help if I keep my story private because there are so many people out there in the world that are struggling. And again, the degree of struggle is going to vary. You might only drink a few days a week and feel like you're struggling. It doesn't mean that you have to be drinking at an alcoholic level to decide that you want to change your relationship with alcohol. And there are so many different ways to approach changing that relationship. And one that people commonly know is AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. And for many people, that feels like a very extreme endpoint that they don't feel like they identify with having, you know, gotten to the point where they really feel out of control. But there's so much going on in this gray area that we kind of want to nip it in the bud before we're we're all the way to the point where now we've created more challenges for us in our life. If we can kind of cut it off or head it off at the pass, we can potentially save you some pain and agony if that continues. And it's also important to mention that while there are genetic reasons, environmental reasons why one may be more inclined to have a uh, certain type of relationship or an addiction to alcohol... The more recent research actually shows that the more you put alcohol into the body, any body, you will continue to develop a, a dependency on it. So that doesn't mean that you need to be a certain kind of person in order to become addicted to alcohol, but the more we put it into anybody, um, we can develop that. So it's important to know that this is not reserved for an exclusive set of the population, but this can be relevant for anyone who's listening and anyone who drinks right now on a regular basis. Got it. Now I'm curious from a clinical perspective because you know, in, in my work, like alcohol is one of the things we
1: remove to decrease inflammation because it breaks down to sugar and all, you know, there's there's all those reasons. But is there something deeper beyond that with the process of it becoming like an addictive process. Like we know sugar lights up your brain like more than Mm -hmm. cocaine does and kind of impacts a bunch of dopamine receptors and all this stuff. So is alcohol doing something differently or is there something new that we're that you've learned about how
2: that works? Yeah. Um, So I well I'm I will share that I'm currently writing a book. Um (laughs) and published in um the fall of 2023. So if you are listening around the holidays, it'll be around the holidays of, of the following year. So start making your Christmas list and add that to your Christmas list for 2023. (laughs) Um, But I really focus on three core areas of the body. Now, that's not to say that there's not other ways that we can kind of dive into this, but the three areas that I really like to focus on are blood sugar and our endocrine system. So to your point, talking around how sugar is affected, we'll dive into that the gut and the gut microbiome and how the gut is affected by alcohol use. And then lastly, the brain. And, you know, of course there's sugar and dopamine, that piece kind of more specific to the brain, but also that piece that is more around our endocrine system and insulin release and things like that. The other thing about the brain that I like to focus on is it's not just about dopamine and uh, serotonin and the different neurotransmitters that are firing, but also how those neurotransmitters are made. So they use vitamins like vitamin Bs, uh, 6, B12, uh, folate is important and others. And so when we are maybe deficient in those nutrients because of regular alcohol use, um, that creates kind of this vicious cycle. But I'll first start talking a little bit about the blood sugar and the endocrine system, which tends to be an area that is really interesting for people because there's a lot of quick action that you can do, um, on this piece that can help support changing your relationship with alcohol. So as you mentioned, the alcohol is going to spike blood sugar. And part of the reason why is because it will break down, essentially break down to sugar in your system Alcohol oftentimes contains sugar. So if you're drinking wine, if you're drinking a cocktail that has juice in it or sugar in it, now that is going to spike blood sugar. But also when we drink alcohol, it affects our liver. We all know that the liver gets affected when we drink, can create cirrhosis over long-term use. But even with short-term use of alcohol, it can affect actually how we release certain compounds or hormones that affect our blood sugar. So even regardless of if you're drinking a sugary drink or not, alcohol is going to affect your blood sugar levels. The more we drink, the more frequently we're going to experience these irregular blood sugar patterns. And the research shows that about 95% of regular drinkers have these tendency towards imbalance in blood sugar, most of the time towards hypoglycemia. So when we are when we initially decide we want to change our relationship with alcohol, oftentimes we're plagued with sugar cravings or we're plagued with alcohol cravings and those can actually manifest as the result of low blood sugar. And so one of the things that I recommend to all of my clients is eating more protein throughout the day and eating more frequently throughout the day. So trying not to go more than three or four hours without eating, because if we hit this kind of low blood sugar slump, we may have that manifestation of an alcohol craving or a sugar craving. Um, and for those of you who are listening that haven't tried cutting out alcohol before the sugar Craving tends to replace that, again, partially because of this blood sugar response. But like you said, Alex, because it helps to release dopamine in the brain, which alcohol does as well. So, by doing kind of some of these simple tips and tricks with your diet, a lot of people find that it actually really helps them get through, especially the early stages. Uh, I recently uh, launched my online course. It's called the Functional Sobriety Academy, and it goes through kind of helping you to create a protocol. Uh, more customized to you, almost like I would with my one-on-one clients to kind of create these systems for yourself so that you can, again, use these nutrition tools. And that's all really great tips. You know, there's so
1: many things that can break down to sugar in the body. And so like having some tools to help yourself balance and regulate. I know the, the first time I went off to just sugar, sugar, um, I was 17 and it was pretty challenging for like two weeks to the, you know, there's a lot of figuring yourself out and the nuances of like realizing where it's coming from and where it's getting in here and like stabilizing your blood sugar. And so I, the protein is a good tip. I've always, you know, talked about healthy fats too, but protein is probably more sustainable.
2: So, yep. And that's the thing too, is healthy fats. Yes. And, and those tend to be, easier to get i think in some mm-hmm. ways than protein. A lot of us yeah. are we're consuming protein but maybe not enough that has a broad enough impact on stabilizing sugar. Um yeah. I think especially in the light of more plant-based diets and people eating more plant-based foods, we don't we will get a little bit of protein but we don't get as much as we might get in animal protein. So those can kind of be a little easier to stabilize blood sugar. And if you do eat a plant-based diet, needing to be a little bit more strategic in how you choose your proteins so that you can do that. So it it is such an interesting topic. And and I love the quick tips for people because it really can have a really big impact on how you feel in that day-to-day or in that specific moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we've hit like one piece of the pie. I'm curious just from your research and what you found, you know, what's happening with it? Because- you know, gut microbiome, it's, it's less of a like, you know, unknown thing. And I think most people are aware of, we have bacteria in our gut that help us survive, but what's happening with alcohol in relationship to gut health. Yeah.
2: So alcohol is going to contribute to that imbalance of microbes in the gut. So a lot Mm -hmm. of our unhealthy microbes do feed off of sugar, carbohydrates, and alcohol. Now there's a really interesting study from a few years ago that showed that There are specific strains of alcohol that feed off, or excuse me, specific strains of bacteria that feed off of alcohol. And those will, in fact, also drive cravings for alcohol, right? So there's actually this kind of gut brain connection that certain microbes, if they're present in large enough amounts, can be kind of contributing to those cravings. And the more that we feed alcohol to those bad bugs in the system, the more we kind of have this imbalance continuing to grow. Now, of course, when we are um, drinking alcohol, sometimes we're also not consuming a lot of other healthy foods too. That probably depends on you know the remainder of your lifestyle, but I know that probably the more frequently I was drinking, the less I was focusing on getting the right foods, right? So that also tends to create more of that imbalance as well. The other thing that is even more interesting is how alcohol affects the lining of the intestinal wall. So I'm sure you talk to a lot of your clients about leaky gut and what we call intestinal permeability. And there are many reasons that the lining can can become broken down over the course of many years. Things like medications, Uh, If we are consuming a high carb or high sugar diet, um, different types of um, just different environmental toxins that we're getting into our system, and also alcohol. Alcohol has a direct toxic effect on the lining of the gut, so it will contribute to that breakdown. I've worked with clients that tried for years and years and years to repair the lining of their gut. And alcohol being one of those things that was potentially holding them back. So I know that sometimes we see people really struggle with repairing that system. And especially if we're continuing to consume alcohol, it's going to be really difficult to do so. The reason why that's important is the breakdown of the gut lining is now going to affect inflammation levels It's going to affect our immune system and potentially contribute to autoimmune disease development, different types of food sensitivities, um, and even changes in our brain health, our mental health and mood health. So it's really important to start to address the gut, especially anytime you're, you have a history of drinking alcohol, especially if you're moving into that space where you want to try to quit or cut back, because we know that with regular or frequent use, there are these changes that happen in the gut. And since we know that the gut plays such a big role in all of the other organ systems of the body, it can be part of the reason why um, even if you did quit or cut back, you still experience things like that brain fog, Um, anxiety, depression, et cetera, the gut can really be a key piece to support in order to kind of move forward through some of those um, symptoms that we're experiencing.
1: Got it. So this is going to be kind of a deep question. And if you don't have an answer, okay. But,
2: you know, for those listening
1: who maybe are in that space of like, they're open to listening about things, you know, I've had women that it was such a, like, they just weren't ready yet to, mm-hmm. to move on, you know, to, to rewrite their relationship with alcohol or even cut back. Mm-hmm. And, and like, there was some power in acknowledging that and just being aware. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for you, was there any kind of like, what shifted where you were finally like, I need to do something different. Like what, what was the,
2: yeah, sense. it is it's a different deep question. for everybody, but I'm yeah. just curious. It is a deep question, but I think these things are all important to share because it's such a vulnerable topic. Mm-hmm. I mean it's something that again I think many of us don't want to come out and say hey I'm really struggling. Um it's a really yeah. difficult thing to do because we don't want to feel weak, we don't want to make that change. We don't want to have to think about how to live life without alcohol when we've used it through, you know, social engagement, through difficult times, through good times, bad, you know, the all of the reasons. And a lot of times, it does take something to come up to decide that we have that change. For some people, it could be a health concern that they say, "Okay, now I know that, you know, I have this specific thing going on." In my case, I had, um, I'd been just feeling really sick of how I was feeling. I was feeling hungover too frequently. I was feeling a lot of self-loathing. I was feeling a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression and i knew that alcohol was contributing to some of that but it wasn't until my partner at the time had actually expressed concern over how frequently i was drinking and i had known this for a while that i was drinking too much but i think i needed someone to recognize it i needed to to be seen in what i was doing wrong because i was almost getting away with it and i am not my best um you know, doctor, right? I can't be my own doctor. I can't be my own accountability person. And so when, and it was brought up in a very kind way and it wasn't brought up in a way that said, hey, you need to get help. It was just, hey, I'm kind of concerned about this. And, you know, I wanted to bring it up to you. And in that moment, the shift had happened because again, it it was almost like I was, waiting for someone to say something for me to feel like, okay, now it's time to make that change. And again, it's a very difficult change because we think too far ahead and, oh gosh, when I get married someday, I want to have champagne at my wedding or, oh gosh, when I celebrate my birthday, I can't not have alcohol. Or if I go to a wedding, how would I not have alcohol? What happens if I have Uh, a difficult emotional time, the loss of a parent, the loss of a a relationship, etc. How am I going to get through that without alcohol? And we do, we learn how to cope, but creating and and really starting to identify new tools that we can use to get through those times are really key. Nutrition can be an important tool. One of the other things that I am a huge proponent of is community. Most of the time when we drink on a regular basis, the people that we know are drinkers, right? The people that we spend our time with, our relationships oftentimes include alcohol, our family lives include alcohol. And so when I initially started doing this work, I launched a community platform. It's called the Functional Sprite Network. So with the uh, online program that I offer. It also includes the network because I'm such a believer that we have to identify with other people. We have to get ideas and, um, find spaces where we can vent when we're having struggle, where we can get inspiration from, because if we are trying to change our drinking and yet our environment is still exactly the same, it's very difficult to make that change. But when you see someone and they've gone through a difficult time and they didn't drink, you go, oh, I can do that. And even if I'm struggling to get through that, I have someone that I can reach out to that's going to say, you can get through this without alcohol, right? So yeah. there's so many reasons that we can benefit from this. And I really, I truly believe that my entire life changed when I removed alcohol. I'm still the same person, but I've matured 10X in the 15 months that I've been sober. I have been able to achieve a lot of goals that I had wanted to for years that I was kind of stuck in. Um, I was able to get out of an unhealthy relationship. I was able to get a little doggy that I can take care of. Um, And so the things that have changed are so much greater than alcohol and what it was doing for me. But a lot of times we really need to get a little bit of distance from it in order to to see that. So I think even different types of challenges where maybe you cut out alcohol for 30 days or you cut out alcohol for three weeks, for example. A lot of times we do a a sober October or a um, dry January or a dry July, for example. And those can be great ways to say, okay, I'm going to get some space from this. And start to realize how I feel and say, wow, actually alcohol was making me feel really tired. It was making me feel, um, it was making my symptoms worth it worse if I have a health condition and wow, gosh, I feel just so much more connected to myself, to my, uh, to my job, to my purpose. And we can't really see that until we take a little bit of time away from it, but it is such a life-changing thing for sure. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: I'm inspired by listening to your story. And, you know, for anyone listening to this, that maybe you're in, come from more of my side of things where alcohol has never been the thing, but there's, there's always something right. We always have something. And so regardless of what your journey is, these tips apply to all of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And
2: and it is because a lot of times it's not just alcohol. I mean, all of us Mm -hmm. have a vice, right? Mm -hmm. That vice might be chocolate. It might be sweets. It might be Netflix. It might be, um, unhealthy relationships. It might be workaholism, right? Where we work too much and it is difficult to change habits. Um, it, it, oftentimes it does take some of those bigger events to make that change. So for example, you have to have a health crisis in order to realize that your job is causing you too much stress, or we have to have kind of a point where we're diagnosed as pre-diabetic before we cut back on the sugar. But there is so much, so much strength in developing that awareness before we get to that point. And we can really save ourselves a lot of that, that trouble that comes later on. And you know whether whether it is alcohol or something else i think even just being open to exploring that relationship and saying okay maybe i'm not ready to do something just yet but let me start just writing down maybe how much chocolate i'm having or let me just start yeah. to explore you know cutting back in alco- on alcohol and see you know what's really driving me to do that or what is this really rooted in um, because I think there's just so much power in knowledge, right? Yeah. Yeah. And in curiosity,
1: we, I, this comes up a lot on the show, just with various things, you know, it, getting out of that, it's like, alcohol is one of those that can definitely have a lot of like negative self-talk, just negative self-esteem. My first husband was actually an alcoholic, like pretty severe to the point of putting himself in the hospital with liver liver failure for three weeks kind of thing. So like really strongly just have it in. and and it can be hard to, you know, navigate, like not making yourself wrong, not having it be about other people, like just really yeah. have that curiosity of, okay, like what is, yeah, what is going on here? And yeah. And I that. think
2: that's a great perspective too, because you might be listening and maybe you aren't the one that's struggling, but you know, someone who's struggling and maybe you decide to pass along a podcast to kind of inspire them or, you know, just, maybe even try to suggest other things to do, like instead of going and meeting them for dinner where you have a glass of wine, maybe it's a walk outside and catching up yeah. that way. So it it's always changing the habit, right? Because for so many of us, regardless of what the vice is, it's I get home from work at 5 p.m. and I open a bottle of wine or I put my kids to bed and I take out the ice cream. Or I get really stressed at work and I smoke a cigarette. Whatever that kind of vice is, it's all rooted in habit, right? It's rooted in, um, I don't know if you've read Atomic Habits, um, but it's like habit stacking, right? So it's like, I brush my teeth and then I floss or I get out of bed and I make my bed. Um, So it's one of those things too, that even identifying, oh, wow, that was a trigger for me. Yeah. Um, you know, that situation really drove me to do that. Let me try to do something different next time. So it is, it's, it, it can be really powerful even to just start taking those really small steps, regardless of where you are in the journey. Absolutely. Well, this has been, I mean, I, we
1: could keep going for hours probably, but <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it there. You know, we've got some, some really tangible, great action steps, things that you've shared, like eating more protein and. Having some curiosity, challenging yourself, and if you're not ready to give it up forever, like just giving yourself some time and space, all of these are really great. So yeah, I appreciate it. Um, and for those listening who want to, you know, learn more and connect with you, how can they? How can they find out? You mentioned your course and some other things. So how how can they yes.
2: connect with you? So definitely check me out on Instagram. I post a lot of videos and tips and tricks and and things on there uh, at dr And I'm sure Alex will link some things in the show notes to how to spell my last name. (laughs) And you can also find me at my website, brooksheller.com, And there you will find more information about my programs, my offerings, more about me, um, about the Functional Sprite Network and the Academy. So if you're interested in kind of getting in and and really seeing if you'd like to make that change, um, feel free to, to reach out and I would be happy to guide you towards what I would suggest. And and I think you made a great point, Alex, just one last thing to kind of close the book on it. If this, you know, if you are listening around the holidays, if that's when this, uh, is, is launching January is a great time to start. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, again, take one month. It doesn't have to be a resolution that sticks all year long, but, um, you know, even just exploring that curious side of things saying, I'm going to take a little bit of time off and see how I feel, um, you can always start January one and make it through the 31st and, uh, and then reassess and reevaluate. Yeah. And everyone who listens should know my opinion on new year's resolution.
1: So rather than committing to going to the gym for three hours a day for the next, you know, six months, right.
2: Maybe just try this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah simple something things. Sustainable. For yeah. sure. For sure. But thank you yeah. so much for having me. I'm so glad we got yeah. to connect and uh, I hope we get thank to you. connect again soon. Yeah. We'll have to have you back when your book's
1: closer to coming out, I think. So I would love that. that. Yeah. I would love that. Awesome.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of the selfless syndrome show. I truly couldn't make the show if it weren't for you, my amazing, lovely, and loyal listener. I so appreciate the emails, the shout outs, the shares, and the reviews, all of which inspire me and motivate me to keep coming back to the mic week after week in order to provide high quality content that helps you find that elusive thing called balance and really build the life, career, and body you are worthy of. I have one little request. If you have benefited from this show in any way, I would so appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and review the show. You can leave a five star review, leave an honest review. This really helps us get in front of more amazing listeners just like you and keep growing our mission to help women leaders around the world build the life, career, and body they are worthy of.